to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about biblical counseling and repentance. I'm very thankful to have in the studio with me today my friend, Pastor Keith Christensen. Keith serves as the associate pastor at Calvary Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. He is also a certified counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I'm very thankful that Keith is a part of our teaching staff at the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. And Keith is here to help us to think about the importance of repentance in the Christian life and in biblical counseling. So thank you so much, brother, for being here and having this conversation together. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Well, a lot of Christians that are listening might be wondering, just because it's one of those Christian terms that we use, but just for sake of clarity, uh, what is biblical repentance? Biblical repentance, um, at the heart of it, is a turning, a turning from sin and toward God, and both facets of that turn is important to emphasize. Um, The Old Testament language that uh, translates into the English repentance are Hebrew words that basically mean turn or return, emphasizing that you're turning away from sin and, importantly, uh, toward God. Um, The New Testament words that translate into repentance, some of those also mean just turn, but most of them uh, translate the Greek word, which is one that's familiar to a lot of people, uh, metanoia, essentially means you change your mind or Sometimes we uh, speak like this colloquially, even in English, a change of heart. If we say, you know, Jim Bob was going to steal a gallon of milk, but then he had a change of heart. Uh, Well, if what you mean by that is what the Bible means by heart, which is um, includes your thinking, your beliefs, your desires, your feelings, and also your will, the choices you make, if you have that full biblical meaning of, of the heart, one's inner person, then really a change of heart is, is a pretty good, uh, just simple definition of what repentance means. And uh, biblical repentance is, is going to be a turn from sin, always, but a turn to God. You're not just turning from sin to uh, some kind of moral improvement or obedience or standard of righteousness that doesn't have reference to God, but um, the biblical righteousness, the foundation of which is loving God with all your heart, worshiping Him alone. So turn from sin to God, always paired with faith in Christ and in His gospel work. That's biblical repentance. That's very good, very helpful. So why should Christians think about repentance? Why should we understand it? Uh, why is it an important word, but more importantly, a, a more important activity for Christians yeah. to not just understand, but to actually practice? Well, uh, repentance is important because the gospel is important. And you could even say repentance is as important as the gospel to the Christian life because repentance is together with faith, part of the biblical response to the gospel. So if someone is going to be saved, they must repent. If someone is going to grow, uh, and, and you grow by laying hold of the gospel, 
through faith and repentance, the gospel being the work of Christ, what he did in his life, his death, his resurrection. And that's more than just for our forgiveness. The gospel is not just the front door to the Christian life. The gospel is the, is the thing that drives us all the way to glory. Um, we repent and believe the gospel. Uh, some, in fact, some of uh, our, our forefathers in the faith, they, if, they would say that the Christian life is repentance and faith in the gospel at the root. So um, we need to repent uh, to become Christians, and there is a real sense in which learning to walk in ongoing, truer, deeper repentance is what the Christian life is. And so um, insofar as biblical counseling has to do with sin, uh, repentance is not only important, but a necessary part of, of how to help people. Well, let's, let's expand on, on two things that you said yeah. there. I think what you just articulated that some of our forefathers, uh, people like the English Puritans or others, mm-hmm. would, would say that the Christian life, the normal Christian life is a life of repentance. I think that's largely a lost uh, perspective, a lost experience today. So would you mind fleshing that out just a little more? What do you mean when you say the normal Christian life is a life of repentance? Yeah. Well, and, and really, the, thinking about our forefathers, even before the Puritans, Martin Luther, mm-hmm. right? Sure, the, the 95, Yeah, the 95 Theses, the very first um, thesis that he nailed to the door was that when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he meant that the entire life of believers mm-hmm. should be one of repentance. I mean, there, there is a sense that this idea of... Um, the Christian life as a life of repentance is is part and parcel of uh, what the Reformation was after, which was a recovery of the gospel. And so, I guess when if, if you understand uh, a full, um, if you understand the the concept of repentance in a full way, right? Not just a bare external uh, stop doing bad things, start doing good things, but a full. Uh, you know, change of heart. You you grieve over your sin. You you come to hate your sin and start to love God and righteousness. I mean, all of that. Uh, we talk about sanctification. Um, we talk about being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Uh, any any way that you can describe the Christian life, you can describe it also through the lens of repentance. Um, and, and so the Christian life will be ongoing repentance because sanctification, uh, growing in holiness in this life, will be progressive. Mm-hmm. And so always the duty of Christians will be to repent, which is to see your sin, to grieve over it, to hate it more and more, and uh, to purpose after new obedience as you trust that the cross of Christ forgives you for how you failed and also enables you to pursue that new obedience. That, that's very helpful. Maybe it would be, um, we go a step further and think about a, a practical example. You, know, sure. you, and, you and I are both dads, and we have mm-hmm. children in our home, and, and uh, occasionally, regularly, I don't know, we, we might struggle with, say, sinful anger toward mm-hmm. our parents or, or toward our children. What would repentance look like as dads, or if, if there are other parents listening that are struggling with anger toward their children, what would repentance look like in that context in terms of growing and changing? Yeah, well, um, 
I can give a real practical, I can give a, a real illustration that happened last week. Um, so my daughter uh, called for us in the middle of the night. She's young. She's three. I went in there. I asked her, what's wrong, what's wrong? And uh, after inquiring, it, it became evident that nothing was wrong. You know, she needed nothing. And so I was, uh, I, granted, I, I don't always respond in righteousness, even when I'm woken up for a good reason. But to be woken up <laughs> for no reason, right? Um, well, this was not my shining moment. So I, I wasn't gentle with her, um, got upset uh, about that. And as I was just laying in my bed, and, and, and this is part of how the biblical teaching of repentance is, is so freeing um, if, if, if you tether it tightly to faith in the gospel. I was laying there just feeling so crummy about uh, how I had sinned against my daughter. Um, and then I thought, oh, okay, I need to repent. So... Um, the first way that helped me is to think, okay, well, actually this sin first and foremost was against God. And so uh, I need to confess this sin to God. I need to examine my heart to see if I'm grieving about this sin just because you know, it made me look bad, because it harms my own self-image, or because really I've offended God, I've dishonored Him, um, and I haven't loved my neighbor. Um, so, so I confess my sin to God. I ask God to, to help me to, to care most that um, I've sinned because uh, of how it grieves you, God, a God-centered um, grief over your sin, like Second Corinthians 7 talks about. So I confess my sin to God. I pursue godly sorrow with him. And then I ask him to forgive me. Um, I then I this is how I teach counselees to repent too. Then after I ask him to forgive me, I purposefully um, state to God my belief in the gospel that I can be forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And then I ask God to help me to be different, to be more gentle and loving like Christ for his glory. And then I purposefully um, state to God my belief. In the gospel, some, some scripture like Titus 2, 11 through 14, or Romans 6, 11, um, that I can be different because of what Jesus has done. And, um, and then believing that the gospel is true, I, I purpose to go and not only make things right with my daughter, but, but to do things differently next time. And then, and then the task is uh, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Or as Acts says, uh, Paul says in Acts 26, to perform deeds in keeping with repentance. So that's pursuing the fruit of repentance. But repentance in and of itself is, um, is, is part of the means by which we lay hold of the gospel. So it's not actually going out and doing the work. True repentance will lead to that. But repentance is, is that change of heart that happens when you confess and and in short, essentially, you say, I hate that I've done this. I hate the thought of doing it again. God help me. And, and I believe that you can and will because of mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. So sorry, sir. I hope that wasn't too long to no, that's a great uh, example. Make, make it not helpful. But um, that, that's what it looks like mm-hmm. 
just practically what a life of repentance. When you sin, you respond like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that um, Heath Lambert writes in Finally Free, uh, his book, it's, against, it, it's about fighting um, against pornography, but the first two chapters are really, really good just on repentance and... Um, he, he has a line in there about how one, the, the tide uh, in your battle against sin will turn when you learn to repent, when you learn to start talking to God about your sin in categories of confession and repentance and stop just learning to talk to yourself in categories of condemnation. And so biblical repentance is, is uh, it hurts, it's painful, it's sorrowful, but but it leads to the joy of salvation. And like Second Corinthians 7 says, that repentance leads to salvation without regret. Hmm. Um, the end of repentance is a clean conscience. Hmm. Very good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's think now about as biblical counselors, as Christian friends, we're trying to help others to grow and change. We're trying to minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. What are some ways that we can minister to our brothers and sisters, helping them to repent, helping them to learn repentance, facilitating that process as you've articulated it? Yeah. Um, the Boy, I'm sure there are several really good ways to answer that. Um, the thing that comes to my mind are a couple of biblical motivations for repentance. Uh, one would be godly sorrow, and so uh, godly sorrow produces repentance. If you need to repent, well, go looking for the thing that produces it. What is godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is sorrow of how you have sinned against God. Um, so pursue more scriptural um, instruction about the sinfulness of sin, about the glory of God, uh, such that when you do sin, there's you know enough about who God is and enough about what your sin is and enough about what God has called you to do and be in the world that you are really, truly grieved in a Godward direction because of what you've done. And the other motivation to repentance broadly um, is is... The offer of mercy of the gospel, Romans 2 says, uh, don't, don't presume, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, don't presume on God's kindness, um, but don't you know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so the offer of forgiveness, the offer of mercy, the hope that you actually can be different because of what Christ has done, again, the gospel um, is a powerful motivator to repentance. Basically, that you are invited to repent because God is merciful and God is gracious. Even when Jesus said uh, something as simple as, unless you repent, you will perish. Well, that indicates that there is an invitation to not perish. Mm. God is merciful. God is merciful. Come to him with your sin. Mm. So, so I think being a gospel-centered people... I know, I know that's cliche, but I mean the actual gospel, like Jesus lived, died uh, for sinners, rose from the dead. Um, actually keeping that message of God's mercy in Christ front and center uh, is, is 
one of the best things we can do to cultivate a, a culture of ongoing repentance. Yeah. And you think about all the, all the alternatives that we are prone to believe when we need that sort of help. You know, there's the penance option where mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm trying to kind of do works or do something good to try to make up for my sin. Or there's mm-hmm. the, the sort of self-inflicted punishment option where I'm going to punish myself or hurt myself in some way to sort mm-hmm. of self-atone. You think of people that are pridefully trying to, um, you know, be better on their own and their own strength and their own will, and just just um, try harder and be better, and and um, and all of these really false ways that we try to deal with our own struggles. And as you said, there's this wonderful offer of avoiding that penalty, right? To, mm-hmm. to turn and to trust and mm-hmm. to know that there is grace and mercy to help when we turn to Christ in repentance. But we have to turn, right? We have yes. to turn to Him and uh, in that. Well, our time is flying by, and uh, this is so helpful. Um, what, what resources would you recommend? Are there particular books that have been helpful to you to sort of... Um, that might be helpful to share with others about understanding repentance or, or better practicing it both in our own lives and as we help others? Sure. I mentioned a contemporary one a little while ago, uh, Heath Lambert's Finally Free, chapters 1 and 2. Uh, I, I believe those are the chapters. Um, one is on just generally making use of gospel grace, and the other is titled Using Sorrow to Fight Pornography, but but now that that's an exposition, that chapter of 2 Corinthians 7.10, which has godly sorrow leads to repentance. So those, those chapters are very practical um, explanation of repentance, and I, I use those chapters uh, to help people even beyond just the struggle of pornography. I say, wherever you see the sin of pornography, insert the sin we're talking about together, and this is a good, simple practical yet rich explanation of what it looks like to repent. In fact, that illustration that I went through earlier about what I did when I needed to come to God in repentance uh, because of how I sinned against my young daughter, uh, that that's, I was applying the method I learned from Heath Lambert. He says, CAR, C-A-R, C, confess your sin, A, ask for forgiving grace, R, request transforming grace. And the only thing I add in there is after I ask for forgiving grace, I believe the gospel for it explicitly. And after I request transforming grace, I believe the gospel for it explicitly. So I would say Heath Lambert, finally free. Also an older book, Thomas Watson, The Doctrine of Repentance. Very good, rich, helpful. Um, if you want something just really short, and I mean really short, like two sentences short, uh, look at look at some of the old catechisms. Uh, beautiful, simple, very helpful statements about what repentance is. You could even um, offer these to counselees as something to memorize. Uh, Just for example, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, question 89, what is repentance? It is grieving with heartfelt sorrow over sin, offending God, hating sin more and more, and fleeing from sin. Or the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, it says repentance includes a true sense of sin, grieving for sin, hating sin, turning from sin, and purposing and endeavoring after new obedience. So those are some, uh, you know, various levels of the time it would take you to um, work through those resources. But 
those are some that come to mind that could be helpful for people. There may be somebody listening to this right now and they feel stuck in their sin and they are discouraged. Uh, they know what they're doing is wrong and, and they just, they, they, they don't believe there's any hope for him. They, maybe they've tried other things, they've tried to change before. As a pastor, as a shepherd, how would you minister to them? How would you help walk them through this doctrine of repentance that has the glorious mercy and grace of the gospel attached to it? What would you say to that person who feels stuck and needs help? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, while thinking specifically about their repentance, I mean, there are, we could dig into details about the situation and, and think of a lot of maybe practical things that need to happen, like radical amputation. But I w- what I mean by that, you know, maybe you just need to separate yourself from uh, the temptation to sin, make no provision for the flesh. Maybe um, they're flirting with sin a little too much to make, you know, a true and lasting repentance even likely. You know, if they're if you're they're kind of pouring grease on the runway towards sin by um, choices they're making, but uh, assuming that that there's nothing like that that needs to happen, I I could encourage them um, by what I just said in in the gospel, and even reminding them that, um, like Thomas Watson said, or actually <laughs> the source that I heard this quote said, a Puritan once said. Uh, I couldn't track down which one it was, but that even our tears of repentance need to be washed by the blood of the Lamb, that um, your repentance clearly is imperfect in the fact that you're trying to repent and you're still you know, sinning. You're not actually changing in substantial ways of this sin you're trying to repent from. But remember that the gospel is, is not that... Uh, Repentance is what earns you forgiveness, but repentance is just the means by which you reach out and lay hold of the forgiveness that Jesus earned for you. And repentance, um, God knows that we are weak. He knows our frame. And, and so God knows that repentance, that is imperfect repentance, can still be actual repentance. And so just remember that uh, rejoice in the free grace of God, and, and that will motivate them to continue to try and repent, right? But also, I would say examine um, your sorrow first. Are you sorrowful? I mean, really, do you, are you grieved over your sin? Psalm 51, the, the psalm of repentance. David says that I would bring sacrifices and offerings to God, but he doesn't want that. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Do you have a broken heart over your sin? Do you really have contrition in your heart over your sin? Um, if not, then uh, your repentance is, is not going to go very deep. And if, you have, if the roots of this sin go down pretty deep in the patterns of your life and in your heart, then you're going to need a pretty deep repentance to start to uproot those things. And that's going to include uh, a pretty deep kind of grieving and, and brokenheartedness over this sin. And so pursue knowledge in, of, um, like Owen would say in his classic work, the mortification of sin. Grow in your understanding of the exceeding sinfulness of your sin. Um, grow in your understanding of, of, um, of, of who God is. Have a big 
picture of God. You're so captivated by his beauty and his glory and his value and worth that, that it just kills you on the inside to think about how you dishonor him by sinning in this or that way. So, so examine, are you actually brokenhearted over your sin? If you're not, ask God, please grant me repentance. Repentance is the gift of God. Um, it's a change of heart, right? No one can change their loves and their hatreds. And right, I can't tell you, Keith, Keith, start grieving right now. It's not going to work. Keith is not crying for those who can't see him. <laughs> I'm um, not crying. Yeah. So, so ask God, God, change my heart. Make my, break my heart over my sin and how it's against you. Um, also, if you are brokenhearted about your sin, examine that. Ask yourself why. Are you sad over your sin because it makes you look bad? Are you sad over your sin because um, you're falling short of your own glory? Like I say, sometimes I'm sad over my sin just because I'm supposed to be a pastor. And so I sin and I think, oh, no, I can't believe I said that to my daughter and I'm a pastor. Well, my grief over my sin is is self-focused of how I've fallen short of my own glory, my own conception of of, um, who I am or want to be. It's not a God-centered thing. Maybe you're grieved over your sin just because of the painful consequences of your sin. So first, examine your sorrow if it's there. Um, and then, and then. so I'm playing on these two motivations I shared for repentance earlier. And then also just, just focus on um, the cross of Christ, the glory of God, the free mercy of the gospel, uh, to, and... and and mercy not only in forgiveness, but but to really believe, really believe that in Christ you are, not can be, are dead to sin and alive to God. That's Romans six eleven. I think it's the first command in the book of Romans. Is that so also then you must consider yourself. It's a faith verb. You must believe this. You must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, um, yeah, that, that's some of the ways I, I could encourage them. Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word, the podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. CBCD strives to be a blessing to pastors, local churches, and individual believers by providing discipleship and biblical counseling-related training and resources to help address the challenging problems of life. For more information, please visit the CBCD website at thecbcd.org.